Hey, Heat Nation. Welcome back to Heat is Gonna Heat, part of the OTG Podcast Network. Thank you for checking in, especially after the losses. I'm your host, Kyle Russell, here to chat a little about our favorite NBA team, Miami Heat, still ahead in this Eastern Conference series, uh, final series, though doesn't feel as great, again, coming off a loss. But as usual, we will talk about the game last night. Miami lost 116-99, to and then look ahead to another potential closeout game, Game 5 at Boston tomorrow. As usual during the week, I don't have the most amount of free time, so let's just jump right into it. We go back last night, Game 4, Miami losing while hosting the Boston Celtics, 116-99. to uh, Rotation-wise, Miami still going with the same 9-man rotation that they've had, extended it to 12 once we got two garbage time in the last minute or so. On the Celtics side of things, Still their same eight-man rotation, same starting lineup that they did for Game 3 with Derek White in place of Rob Williams. Rob Williams coming off the bench instead. And then Boston running that eight-man lineup throughout the most of the game. It did eventually extend out to 13 once we got to garbage time as well. So, again, for the bulk of these games, pretty much a repeat of the rotations and the starters that happened from Game 3. For the game itself, though, Boston took an early lead uh, as the game got into its opening minutes. However, the Heat would tie it at 15 before going on an 11-3 run to go up 8. Lead did get trimmed down a little bit, but Heat still up 6 after the first quarter. So, again, nothing too bad. Starting to get into the swing of things. Second quarter, some hot shooting by Al Horford helped the Celtics tie the game in the early second. And then Lee kept going back and forth, Miami unable to build any sort of meaningful separation until the last minute or so, Heat pulling away to still be up six at the end of the first half. Third quarter came around, and yeah, the third, the second half in particular was where it really started to feel like regular season Miami Heat rearing its ugly head at the most inopportune time. Uh, third quarter, Miami did have a few buckets to start out. They were up 9, 61-52. And then the offense just completely died for four minutes straight, as we saw regularly in the regular season, during which Boston went on an 18 to nothing run to go from down 9 to up 9. Jimmy did start to take over. I think he scored or assisted on Miami's, I want to say, like next four or five buckets, something like that. So, did start to make it a little bit of a game, got the lead down from 9 to 4, but then the Celtics, in the last minute or so, phenomenal close by them, had the lead back up 9 going into the 4th. So, ended up being, yeah, a 15-point swing in the 3rd quarter towards Boston. And then 4th quarter itself, early on, Miami did trim the lead back down to 5, so, again, this is the part where I have to say, despite... The shenanigans that went on in the third quarter. This was still a winnable game by, by Miami, only being down five early in the fourth. But a good timeout by Boston got them settled. And then when they came out of that, uh, they went. Boston went on a 12 nothing run that put them up 17 with like six minutes left or something like that. But it effectively sealed the game. Just because from there on out, Miami never got the deficit below 10. Last minute or so, ended up being garbage time. So, bit of a disappointing loss, uh, all things considered, that we had the opportunity to sweep them at home. The home crowd was there. They were ready to go for it. Just Miami could not string any enough stuff together in the second half to really get the crowd into it. Again, I think like the big takeaway from this is a lot of 
sloppy stuff that we saw in the regular season starting to crop up in the playoffs. But let's dive into maybe a little bit more of the, the specifics now. So takeaways from the game. First up, I will give the Celtics their props. They absolutely played the best defense that they have played all series in this game. Granted, they got into the the O3 hole before they got there, so maybe a little bit too late. But at the very least, it was enough to, to get them another day and another chance to extend the series further than that. So I did want to give them their props for a great job on the defensive end uh, by them. Then for Miami, though, it the first place you really got to talk to uh, talk about with this game is the three-point shooting. So Miami side of things, they went 8 of 32 from three-point range, good for 25%. <laughs> That's where I say, like, oh, there's regular season Miami showing up, not being able to shoot a three to save their lives, even at home. Yep, we saw that all the time. Single-digit three-pointers made. And then you compare that to what Boston did, though, 18 of 45 from three-point range, good for 40%. But high volume, good efficiency. I mean, they made 18 threes, we made eight. That's plus 10 threes or plus 30 points just off of three-point shooting alone for Boston. And again, some of that is Boston's defense playing really well. Another part of it is some of their shooters finally having a good game. But then there were also other parts of this where Miami was being lackadaisical with their shots and conversely not closing out properly on Boston's as well. So it ended up resulting in a huge three-point disparity that, I mean, again, this is a game that was close in the fourth quarter, ended up being lost by 17, but a plus 30 difference at three-point shooting. Arguably, the game could have been solved just there alone. But that wasn't the only area Miami was slacking off on. They were also way too loose with the ball, losing the turnover battle 15-10. to 10. And remember, turnover battle has been traditionally something Miami has been winning throughout these playoffs, and especially in the first three games against the Boston Celtics. I want to say they won all three of them. And then to make it extra egregious, so they lost the, the battle over the course of the game 15-10. to 10. But in the second half in specific, where everything seems to start falling apart, Miami got blasted the turnover battle 9-2. to two. Nine turnovers in the second half to only two by the Boston Celtics. That's another area you could point to and say, oh, that's probably where they lost the game. Because the way that Boston likes to play their defense, and this isn't anything too new, Miami does the same thing, is you get out on the turnovers and you force it down the opponent's throat before they have a chance to set their half-court defense, which is exactly what Boston did over and over in the second half. Uh, Miami also ended up losing points off of turnovers, understandably, 14-27. to 27. Boston got 27 points off of Miami's 15 turnovers. And again, a lot of that is... Just getting a steal, getting out in transition, whether that's knocking down a trailing three or just going right to the rim, it it still points off turnovers. They also won the fast break battle. I think it was like 18 to 16. I didn't have that one specifically written down. But again, a lot of those fast break points from the Celtics coming off of the turnovers. So you could you could point to the three-point shooting and say if Miami had had shot better, they could have won that this could have been a game. A little bit the same thing with the turnovers. And in re-watching those turnovers this morning, uh, I've given the Celtics a lot of credit for, for the three-point shooting defense that they did. The turnovers, especially in the second half, though a lot of them were just sloppy play or bad passes. Like, 
Like the kind of thing that if Miami had been a bit better locked in, I I don't think they would have had so many turnovers. This would have been closer to like a 10-10, you know, like a tie for the turnover battle, something like that. But like with the three-point shooting, this was still a game regardless. They, they could have found other ways to win this. They just did not quite have it all going that night. Um, and then continuing on with that trend of like other ways that they lost this game, came down to star play as well. Bam Adebayo, arguably his worst game of this... Actually, I don't even think arguable. Definitely the worst game of his series. Arguably the worst game of the playoffs for him. 10 points, 5 rebounds, no assists, 1 steal, 4 turnovers on only 4 of 7 from the field, 2 of 4 from the free throw range. And again, Boston, good job defending Bam for the most part, but Bam, like you're in the conference finals. This is the part where you... Regardless of what Boston is doing defensively, you just still need to find ways to have an impact. And more specifically, even than the field goal attempts I'm looking at here, which, yeah, seven field goal attempts, far too low for, for Bam Adebayo. That needs to be at minimum double digits. So there's a little bit of like aggressiveness we could talk to, about there again, or just staying on the attack, I guess, probably be the better way to phrase it. Because there were times where he could have just caught and went into a jumper or went into a move. Instead, we had the Bam Adebayo that was kind of second-guessing himself a little bit and letting Boston's defense start to squeeze him out. But more so than the the field goal attempts, which has been a talking point for like two or three years at this point, just amongst Heat fans. More important than that, though, is the zero assists for turnovers. Because Bam has been a bit of a playmaking hub for Miami throughout both the Knicks series. Well, we close out Milwaukee with a triple-double by Bam. As fourth quarter, he just went point Bam. It was awesome. It was a big part in the next series. It was a big part in this series as well. So Boston, to some of their credit, did a good job of not letting Bam be a playmaker and, more importantly, forcing him into some bad turnovers, some of which, as I think about, were just like uh, offensive fouls. So Bam needs to be do a little bit better job setting screens as well. And then alongside Bam Adebayo in the not-too-great game, uh, Jimmy Butler with an almost fraudulent, like it still looks like a good stat line, but eye test-wise would tell you that this was almost fraudulent. 29 points, 9 rebounds, 5 assists, a steal, a block, on 9 of 21 from the field, 1 of 4 from 3-point range, 10 of 12 from the free throw line. So, and, oh, sorry, and to his credit, Jimmy Butler did turn it on in the third quarter, helped keep this a winnable game for Miami. But in the fourth quarter, Jimmy was a little bit of a no-show. Five points on one of five shooting from the field in the fourth quarter. And then at various points throughout like the first half as well. He he seemed for the most part, for like I said, the eye test would tell you it was almost fraudulent. He seemed like he was not as interested in this game. He did not quite have that level of aggression or just killer mentality like we've seen in previous series. My hope is that it was just a bit of cockiness from being up 3-0 because we all know that we need Jimmy Butler's psychopath if there's any chance for the Heat to do anything in the finals, let alone get there. But I guess last takeaway for this, this was a game where the Heat looked like the team with a 3-0 lead while the Celtics looked like a team in an 0-3 hole. They came out with the aggression and were able to execute their game plan properly. Miami came out a little lackadaisical. I guess 
thinking that because of what happened in Game 3 that the Celtics would roll over and just die in Game 4. Again, Celtics, to their credit, had enough pride to grab a win to not just roll over like Miami and hope they would. So it's on Miami to take that lesson to heart and to, to remember that this is still the conference finals and that they're going to need to kill Boston in order to be done with this and move on to their next finals. Miami still has a 3-1 lead, and they will get another chance to close out the Boston Celtics this Thursday. Looking ahead now to Game 5 this Thursday. As usual, let's first just look over the injury report. Kevin Love is no longer on the injury report. He was fine. He ended up being starting for both the first and second half uh, last night's game. Didn't expect that to be too much of an issue. We did get an update on Tyler Hero that he was cleared for non-contact work yesterday, which, again, this is non-contact work, so not even getting like full on-the-court stuff. I don't think Tyler Hero is back until the finals at earliest. This, I mean, if he's just doing non-contact work now, there's a possibility it may not even be until game three or four of the finals itself that we see Hero. And then on the Celtics side of things, uh, they're still just missing Danilo Gallinari as they have all year again, just doing due diligence. Game itself, like I said, Game 5 at Boston on Thursday. A win would end this series. Miami would advance to play the Denver Nuggets in the finals, who finished off their sweep Monday night. So they're already grabbing some rest now. A loss on Thursday extends this series back to Miami for Game 6 on Saturday with Boston surging, having won two in a row in that situation. So things start to get really dangerous really quickly. But it's all for nothing if Miami can remember the lessons that they learned from this last game and finish everything out uh, tomorrow night. So what can Miami do to adjust? They were the team that lost. Like Really, I, I would go back to game four and say that Miami lost by a combination of three things, which was losing the turnover battle, getting blasted, three-point shooting, and then not having their star players play up to their level. So you give me some, you know, two or three of those, and for the most part, I think we're good. So take care of the ball better. Celtics thrive off of turnovers. Like, and again, that's why I went to earlier and said I rewatched those turnovers. A, a fair amount of them were just bad passes or lazy play. That can be fixed. And if that's fixed, that could be the difference in the turnover battle, which has downstream effects throughout other parts of the game. Also, just try to find ways to involve Jimmy in Bam more, especially Bam, considering zero assists, seven field goal attempts. They need to do a little bit more to feature Bam. Because Celtics did a good job locking him down in Game 4. So, find ways to spring him in Game 5. And then Jimmy, I mean, even though Jimmy was kind of disinterested and lackadaisical, he still had a pretty monster stat line. So, I would imagine Jimmy will be a little bit more interested come Game 5 and a little bit more engaged. And if some of those shots that he had were just, that were just trickling off end up going down instead, that's about all I, I think Jimmy really needs to, to get going. I think, like, in terms of the two of them, Jimmy will have an easier time getting going himself. He's older, more experienced player, has a little bit more of a perimeter game and some tools. Bam's the one that needs to have a bit of a better game plan for him. Uh, another potential adjustment, they could trim down the rotation, maybe cutting out Duncan Robinson, who did not have a great game for. I think he was, like, 0-4 from three-point range. It looked like the Celtics were starting to home in on him. 
Conversely, though, Duncan Bam two-man game was very important in Game 3. So maybe that could be dusted off a bit more in Game 5, try to come up with some new wrinkles for it, so that way Bam can get some easier shots out of, out of that. Because the Celtics definitely still respect Duncan Robinson as a shooter, regardless of how well he's shooting. So if that can still be leveraged, and even if Duncan can't get the shot to drop, if he can still leverage that gravity from Boston's defense to get some easier looks for Bam, that's still beneficial enough to let Duncan be out there. Again, provided that he's doing decent enough on, on defense as well. So in that regard, I'm not too sure if we trim the rotation much, right? Like, Martin's still going to be there. Uh, Lowry's still going to be there off the bench. Maybe you trim down Zeller's minutes and give more to Bam, or you try some love at the five. Well, love at the five hasn't been too effective. So maybe Zeller still gets his minutes, and we still end up with a nine-man rotation somehow. But if it goes to eight, I would probably guess Duncan Robinson is the one that gets cut out. So uh, next after that... I mean, shooting can't really be relied upon to travel, but Miami has had decent shooting games in the first two in Boston, and we're just asking them to shoot better than 25%. Like, even if they can just get to low 30s, that's still another three to four threes. That's nine to 12 points right there. That's a huge swing. Uh, And then last part, again, just to emphasize this, Denver's already resting. They finished up their business Monday. Miami did not. So the longer this series goes, the more rest Denver gets, the harder it's going to be for for Miami in the finals. Stop playing around in Boston and end this sooner than later. So that game will be on Thursday. I will be back then on Friday to hopefully recap a closeout of Game 5. Get fingers crossed, really am. But that's all the time I have for today. I do thank you for hanging around. That'll be all for this episode. Please, if you can, follow the pod at Heaters Heating and myself at Kyle underscore B underscore Russell. Also, check out the other great pods we have at OTG Basketball off of Twitter. Links for everything are in the show notes as usual. I'll be back on Friday. So until then, hope you all continue to have a great week, Heat Nation.